Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. For uh, this amazing series. Today, today we have a guest speaker, guest speaker that is not too unfamiliar to some of us. Uh, Jean Aizin is a member uh, of our congregation, and uh, I asked him earlier if he would be available um, to preach uh, this uh, Sabbath today. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of background of him and his family. Um, he, is, uh, uh, he is the son of a preacher and pastor. Not only that his father is a preacher and pastor, he's a church planter. He goes throughout the southeast and just like Apostle Paul, plants churches and then he goes and encourages them. Encourages them to stay in the word, to stay connected with God, to stay connected with each other. And that's what his father does. Now, Jean has never become a pastor himself, but I think he is a pastor in the marketplace. He works, but he also, you know, witnesses for Christ wherever he is. So we're grateful to have, his, uh, to have him with us today to share the Word of God. So, uh, Jean, welcome, and thank you for your willingness to uh, open God's Word with us. hear me? There we go. Fantastic. Good morning and happy Sabbath. It is a pleasure to be here this morning um, to see your smiling faces. I can't see them, but I know under that mask you're smiling along with me. Um, some of you I haven't seen in quite some time, so it's a pleasure to be able to be here in the house of the Lord. Um, I'm going to have you open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter 5 verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. I'm going to go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we're going to go to 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, you deserve our praise. You deserve our adoration, our attention, our focus, our worship. And in this moment, we give it all to you. You said that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, you will add everything else onto us. So we put our hope and our faith in you, and we ask that you speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take a look at 1 Peter 5, verse 8. While you look for that, I'm going to share a few things with you. Have you ever seen someone who was distracted? No, you've never seen anyone who's distracted. Uh, I've taken my kids to parks, and, you know, I'm watching my children play, and they're running, and they're jumping, and I'm engaging with them, and I'm interacting with them. Um, and, and there are times where I see parents that they're there at the park with their children, but they're on their phones, and, and the, ch the child is doing something 
that is dangerous, but the parent doesn't see it. And I'm looking and I see it, and I'm looking at the parent, can you, can you get your child, please? Get, get your child. And they're distracted. There's a young man by the name of CJ. CJ walked home from school every day. And on his walk home, he passes by a blue house that is on a block that he walks past every single day. He takes the same route. And CJ has his headphones in, and he has a basketball in his hand. He's dribbling the ball, dribbling it between his legs, and he's walking home. Every day, CJ walks past his blue house, but behind his blue house is a dog. Now, this dog barks and growls at CJ every day as he passes through this block, passes this big blue house. But CJ doesn't pay attention. He doesn't mind the dog because... This happens every day. So he has his headphones in, and he's listening to music, and he's bouncing the ball. He's having a great time. Several weeks go by, and one day CJ's walking past the house, and the dog's barking and growling as usual. But what CJ didn't realize is that over the past several weeks, the dog has been digging a hole under that fence. So one day, CJ walks past the house, and he's dribbling his ball. He's listening to his music. He's having a great time. He's enjoying himself. And the dog's barking in the garage. He continues on. From the corner of his eyes, he sees something. He sees the dog. The dog gets out from under the fence and is chasing after CJ. CJ takes off. He's running. He's focused. He's trying to get home. He doesn't see... Uh, 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 a little pothole that he trips over. Oh, CJ panics. He drops the backpack, drops the ball, takes the headphones off, and he takes off, runs into the house. The dog's chasing behind him. So the dog finally gets to the backpack and the ball and the phone, and he's tearing everything up. CJ makes it into the house, and he's looking. The dog is tearing up his ball, his backpack, the headphones, and is still looking at CJ, barking and growling at him. Can I paint a picture for you this morning? In this story, the dog in the story represents Satan. And every day in our Christian walk with Christ, demons and Satan are watching us. They're watching us. Sometimes we do get distracted by the things that are going on in our lives. So it's important that we stay focused. So let's take a look at 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It, says, it tells us to be sober. If you're not sober, what are you? What are you? You're drunk. You're careless. How does someone get drunk? You consume something. You're consuming alcohol. So there's something that we're consuming that Peter has to tell us, listen, be sober, vigilant, pay attention. So when we're 
consumed or we're drunk, we don't, make, we don't always make good decisions. So that means that our, our mental and physical faculties are noticeably impaired. So in a spiritual sense, do not consume much of this world because your senses become intoxicated and controlled. It tells us to be vigilant. Keep awake. Be watchful. Never be off your guard. A few years ago, this was several years ago, uh, my wife went into a store and I think she was buying a brownie. Uh, it was a fudge brownie. It's, it's a really good place. It's uh, out on 3rd Street. And um, I, I was sitting in a car waiting for her to come out. And there's a car that was parked in front of me and it's backing out of the parking spot. And I, I'm watching the guy who's driving. He's backing up, but he's only looking in one direction. And that's not my direction. And he's backing up. And I'm thinking to myself, he, he has to see me, right? He has to see me. Apparently, he doesn't. He doesn't see me. He backs right into me. I look at him, and, and I'm shaking my head. What are you doing? He comes out of the car, and he, and he asks, where did you come from? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Where did I come from? The person who was sitting in a parked car. So we have to be alert. We can't be like that guy who backed up into me. It tells us that the devil, your adversary, so this is the reason we have to be sober and vigilant. He's active, he's merciless, and he's been around for quite some time. So Satan is hungry. And on his menu are Christians. And he has quite a selection to choose from. Um, he tempts and tries to catch us in sins. He tries to catch those who are doubtful, those who are experienced Christians, educated, gullible, ill-prepared, prideful, well-respected, and according to Matthew 24, 24, it says, For false Christs, false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So we have to be vigilant and we have to know our enemy's tactics. If you've ever watched or competed or participated in anything like fishing, football, baseball, soccer. If you watch some of these sports, the players, they study their opponents. They review the videos. So boxers, they watch their opponents' fighting styles. They look out for combos. Football players study play, they, they study play fields and they, and they watch the players to gain their strengths and weaknesses. Fishermen do the same thing. They understand the tactics of fishing. And many, many years ago, uh, before I knew much about fishing, uh, I went on a field trip with my daughter. This was Alicia. She, she might have been six or seven. And we went to this uh, area, and they had plenty of activities to participate in. 
there was fishing, there was canoeing, uh, there was archery. And we got out there to the fishing area, and we were handed a fishing pole and, and some bait. So I take the fishing pole, and I, I grab a worm, and I hook the worm, and I throw it into the lake. And I, right at the edge, I can see the fish. And uh, I'm wheeling the cord in, and as I pull back, and I, I can see the fish, but I pull back, and I have an empty hook with no worm or fish. So I try it again. I grab another worm, and I hook it, and I throw it in again. And again, I come back empty with a hook, no worm, no fish. And I'm looking around. I'm looking at everyone else. They have fish. He has fish. Why don't I have fish? Why aren't I catching any fish? So I, I asked the guy beside me, what am I doing wrong? What's going on here? And he says, okay, let me see what you're doing. I grab the worm, I grab the hook, I hook it once, and I throw it. Right before I threw it in there, he says, well, that's what you're doing. I mean, you took the hook and, and you hooked it once. He says, you need to hook it and wrap it and hook it and wrap it a few times. Then you throw it in. And after you catch something, you could use that smaller fish as bait or you can use shrimp as bait. You see, people who fish, they know and they understand the, the fish that they're targeting. They know which kind of equipment to use, whether you're going to use a fishing pole, uh, if you're going to use a net, what kind of reel to use, what kind of line. They know their habits. They know if the fish they're looking for are in shallow water, if it's best to go before or after a storm. And they know what bait to use, whether it's shrimp, fish, flakes. So there's a strategy. Satan, he too has a strategy. You see, he's actively studying you, your every move. You have an enemy who is studying you, who is taking notes. So for many of us, he attends the university of you. the University of Joey, the University of Taisha. And he studies the anatomy and physiology of you. And he graduates with honors and a degree in you, your body mechanics. And he can finish some of your sentences and can predict some of your moves. How? How can he do this? Because he's been here for centuries and he's had trials and errors to those who have granted him access. So how do we grant him access? You might think, I haven't given him access to anything. How many of you here have a cell phone? You all here have a cell phone, right? How many of you have apps on your cell phone? When you install that app, you get a notification for permissions, correct? And you have to give it permission to certain things like your camera, your email, your contacts. And unless you give it access to those permissions, you can't use that app. 
Now, I don't see what Candy Crush has to do with my call log, but if I want to play Candy Crush, I've got to give it access, right? Have you ever clicked on a Google ad or have been on Facebook and clicked on an ad? What happens? Now you're flooded with pictures of shoes, pictures of shirts and purses. You clicked on one ad, now it's, it's down your, your, your feed and your stream. This is all you see now. It's bait. We're baited. And the devil used some of the same tactics. When we show interest or have had exposure to certain things, there's a bit of access that we allow there. You see, the devil exaggerates the pleasure of sin while minimizing the true nature and outcome of sin. So there are certain characteristics that we display that make us susceptible to temptation. And the devil sees an opening through your emotions, your mood, whether it's your pride for, or your fame, your access, or your stress, or you're exhausted. In this season, we're, we're, we're fighting COVID-19. And with COVID-19, there are certain pre-existing conditions that make you susceptible, that make you more susceptible to contracting this disease, whether it's COPD or, or heart failure or respiratory issues. There are certain pre-existing conditions. And it's the same for us. We have certain pre-existing conditions that make us susceptible to certain temptation. And that's why Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. You see, the, mas the devil is a master marketing agent. He packages sin in a, in a nice package, and he uses bait like friendship, alcohol, cars, clothes, money, Success, positions, followers, subscribers, likes. I've seen some of the most dangerous things on the internet that people have done for followers. Dangerous things for likes. They would endure extreme pain for likes. Okay, it says, okay, you want to be liked? Try this. Here's a new challenge. Try this. You want followers? Appeal to this. And what do they do after they, 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 they do these things? They, they, they go to their comments. They go to the views. I want to see. I want that acknowledgement. I want that approval. I want to see that people like this. How do they respond to this? So the devil uses tactics, and he'll regroup if one thing doesn't work on you. Because remember, he's studying, he's taking notes. Okay, this didn't work this time, let's try this one. So he'll, he'll push an agenda so much so that he'll have you thinking that another person, another living, breathing person is your enemy. Someone who is living and breathing is not your enemy. The Bible tells us 
It says, the devil is our adversary. But he'll convince you that someone who, who, who offended you is your enemy. I, I think nowadays I've seen so many people who are so easily offended that it's offensive. I can't believe that you're offended that I offended you or you it confuses me sometimes you're or or they're more angry the fact that you're you're talking to them about something that they did to offend you you offended me why are you mad at me because In Luke 17, 1, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open, that, open to that with me. Luke 17, verse 1. Luke 17, 1. And this is interesting. In this verse, there's a word used that we may not have expected. Luke 17, 1. It says, then he, Jesus, said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. It's, it is impossible for you not to be offended by something. Oh, offenses will come. Problems will come. But it says, but woe to him through whom they come. So, God uses a word that stopped us in our track. He used the word impossible. What's impossible for Jesus? Nothing. Raising the dead, he's got that. Healing the sick, got it. It's impossible for us not to be offended. You will be offended. People will, will say something that rubs you the wrong way. So, this means... He promises that you'll be offended, that your child may step out of line. Your child will step out of line. He promises you that your spouse may get on your last nerves. He promises that when you see that one parking spot and you're getting ready to pull into it, that someone will come right in front of you and pull right into it. Oh, he promises Problems are coming. You'll be offended, and you'll have opportunities to be offended. But don't be the one that causes the offense. Don't allow yourself to be used as a puppet by the devil. Because he knows just when to use certain tactics to get to us. He'll wait until you're tired and you're rushed and you're frustrated, you're exhausted, you're cooped up, you're vulnerable, you're stressed and you're worried. And he knows just who to send your way. He doesn't care who, who's collateral damage in the situation or his plan to tempt you or lead you astray. He wants to throw you off your game. He wants to get between you and your relationships, you and your relationship with God, your walk with God. So this is a battle for your life. 
So here's an example. When you're in a rush to get somewhere and, and you're in the fast lane and you're trying to get somewhere and he may use someone to get right in front of you in that fast lane and just cruise like there are no other lanes available. Or someone gets in front of you but the light is green and they won't move and you give them the hand, what are you doing? Move. Or he might use a coworker. Or he'll use friends, family, strangers, situations to tempt you, to test you, to aggravate you. And while I was writing this message a few days ago, as I was writing the message, thinking about these examples of how when you're frustrated, you're kind of vulnerable, and the kids were running in and out of the room asking questions, I'm like, relax, I'm, I'm working on something. And just then I look at it, it's the devil trying to do just what I'm writing about. So we have to stop and look at these situations. When we get frustrated, take a break, pause, look at the situation. So the devil will use your loved ones to offend you. He'll use your loved ones to mistreat you, abuse you, hurt you, put you off. And the ones that you trust, you trust the most, it, it hurts the most coming from them. So while you're mad and you're angry and you're being unforgiving or distracted, you take that bait and he pulls back the line and reveals that hook. And every bait and temptation he uses, it's custom made. It's tailored just for you. So it's tailored to fit your personality. So whether uh, you have a, a problem with patience or anger or lust or bad habits, lying, insecurities, whatever that is, you know what that area is. He'll use that to come after you. And meanwhile, the devil's smiling, probably rubbing his hands together diabolically as he watches the chaos that he ensues. You know, and sometimes we, we don't give it a second look. Someone offends us and we're, we're automatically mad at that person. We're angry at that person. But we don't think that it's the devil using someone, using a situation or a circumstance to get under your skin, to throw you off your game to draw our attention away from building our families, building relationships, building uh, community. Now, our nation, our communities have been ravaged by COVID-19. Hatred, racism, inequality, a lack of compassion, uh, a lack of accountability, a lack of respect for leadership, a lack of common courtesy, a lack of common sense. But if we band together as a family of believers and we take a stand and support one another, we have the power because the power has been given to us. Don't take the bait. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Let's take a look at that really quickly. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It says, 
He won't allow us to be tempted above what we can adore. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. When you're tempted, he provides a way out. So God will empower you to endure through the temptation that you're facing. So you don't have to surrender, you don't have to give into it or throw in the towel. So God will never force you to take his way out. He'll provide a way out. He'll never force you to take a way out. Green light means go. Yellow light, to some people it's slow down, to others it's speed up, hurry up. And red light means stop. That yellow light, this is your way out if you are thinking about going. You see that yellow light, that's that warning. This is your way out. The red light is coming, don't take it. What do you decide from there? You're giving a way out. The red light is coming. Are you going to slow down or are you going to take it? It says we're given a way out. Second Peter 1 verse 3 says, God's power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowing of the one who called us his glory, his own glory and goodness. So God has given us everything that we need to be able to succeed. Everything we need to be able to overcome the temptations that we face. So now that we've talked about the devil, let's, let's go ahead and push past that. So the one thing that I want you to remember here, the most important thing is the enemy's already defeated. He's already been defeated. And he's trying to take as many of us down as po- with him as possible. And Jesus replies in Luke 10, verse 18 and 19, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. We've been given the power and the authority to overcome every situation that we are facing. You see, God has canceled the power of Satan on the cross. To begin with, Satan never really had any real power. See, the battle you're facing right now, the circumstances that you have difficulties with, whether it's building your marriage, raising your children, your finances, whatever this fight or this struggle is in your life that you're facing, it's, it's already been won. We've been given everything that we need to overcome and to succeed. In the Second Chronicles 2017, it tells us, you will not have to fight this battle. Take your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. 
This isn't a battle that we have to fight. This is a, this is a battle with flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle that we're fighting. And there's another verse here that in Revelation 20, 10, this, this verse brings joy to my heart. It says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown in the lake of burning sulfur and is tormented day and night forever and ever. Oh, relief. All the challenges that we face, the struggles that we've had to overcome and endure. There's a time that's coming that he'll pay for every single one of those things. So the battle you're facing right now, the angels have already been sent on your behalf. And we're represented by the Lion of Judah. And we're covered by the precious and powerful blood of Jesus Christ. Amen.